Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear people of our glorious God, something was wrong, broken even. The journey had been going so well, but now? Well, things had changed. Had they taken a wrong turn, or was this just where they had been headed all along? It's not likely that any of the disciples voiced these thoughts to Jesus, but surely they noticed, and surely he saw it too. What had happened was that his ministry was no longer the happy, success is inevitable and just around the corner thing that it had seemed when Jesus first got going. Both its character and its trajectory had changed and and were changing even more. For many, probably most of his followers, including his disciples, this was confusing and discouraging because their thoughts of Jesus as the Messiah included him becoming a popular and and powerful king over the Jews, and, and forward progress toward that goal seemed to have stopped. In fact, they were losing ground. Jesus, who knew better where he was headed, would still have seen the changes and would not have called them happy, even though he understood why they were happening. One of the big things that was happening was the recent beheading by King Herod of John the Baptist. That was more than just sad news. Since John had been the one preparing the way for Jesus and the one who had pointed him out as as the Son of God, the Lamb of God and Messiah, he he was intimately connected to Christ and his ministry, and and his ministry was was intimately connected with him as well. So so at this point, it, it would have naturally been assumed that John would be basking in the glow of a job well done and and sharing in the Messiah's popularity. And, well, the exact opposite had happened. But that could have been seen as just an isolated incident, and, and Herod was hardly seen as a representative of the Jewish nation, except that the actual influencers and leaders of the Jews, those the Roman Empire allowed, Well, they showed themselves increasingly opposed to Jesus and his message. The priests, the the teachers of the law, and the Pharisees all seemed to have come to the conclusion that Jesus could not be the Messiah, was certainly not the Son of God, and was, in fact, a troublemaking teacher, an upstart, who needed to be silenced and stopped before he led the people away from them and, and destroyed their power and influence. So every day, it seemed, there was some new challenge to his knowledge or authority, despite the miracles that they clearly saw him doing. And even when they weren't posing tests and tough questions, they often had someone in the crowd listening for for something that he might do or say that they could turn around and use against him. 
So those who should have been welcoming him and paving the way for his reign as Messiah, as king of the Jews, were instead opposing him at every opportunity. And then, then there were the disciples themselves. By this point, they had had more than two years, probably closer to three, of careful instruction by their master, Jesus. But instead of having greater understanding and harmony among themselves, they demonstrated more and more block-headedness when it came to what Jesus wanted to teach them, and demonstrated also growing dissension among them as they argued over things like who of them was greater. Yet they all likely would have agreed that something had gone terribly wrong with the whole glorious Jesus for King campaign when he began telling them in no uncertain terms, as he recently had begun, that he was going to Jerusalem, and instead of taking over, he was going to be taken and tortured and tried and crucified and killed by his enemies. But no matter how many times he told them, they still refused to understand what he had understood from the start, that he was on the way of the cross. And there was no other way for the Messiah and Savior of the world. But before he got to the cross, there was something God the Father wanted to do for his Son and for all who follow the Son He was going to give something to remember on the way of the cross. Listen as we read again our gospel from Mark 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were alone by themselves. There he was transfigured in front of them. His clothes became radiant, dazzling white, whiter than anyone on earth could bleach them. And Elijah appeared to them together with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because they were terrified. A cloud appeared and overshadowed them. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, When they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So, what was it the Father gave Jesus to remember? Glory. When he was transfigured, the brilliant radiance that transformed him in his clothes was not something that that he himself created in in order to, to wow his followers. It was glory that was already his by right and by nature from all eternity. But at this moment and by the Father's will, the Son's humility in human flesh was set aside and some of that divine, original glory was allowed to show through. Jesus spoke to Elijah and Moses as he would have spoken to them in heaven. 
And Peter, James, and John were privileged to glimpse a a sampling of what all the saints and angels above had always seen of the Son. This was a scene of things as they are meant to be. Of Christ unaffected by sin and unobscured by human life or flesh. And it was for his benefit. It's not as though the Son of God would have forgotten who he was. But in his humanity, Jesus still knew weakness, still felt things deeply, and still needed strength from his Father. Very soon he would indeed make his way to Jerusalem and begin his his passion. And in the meantime, he still had to deal with the hostility of his enemies, which had ramped up even as his popularity among the people had begun to lessen. So God gave him this experience of glory to remember while he was experiencing all those things to come things which would drain him of energy and and trials which would point him away from his purpose. But remembering this transfiguration would give him confidence in his identity and his mission and remind him that, that no matter how low his sufferings might take him, the heights of glory would once again be his once he had finished all he came for. Jesus was on the way of the cross, but beyond the cross was glory. Glory even greater than this brief brief glimpse, this reminder of his heavenly existence. Now Peter, James, and John would, would not have understood any of that, of course. They still had not been able to accept the idea that anything could would could or would happen to their master, let alone that his ministry would end with his crucifixion and death. But this glory was for them to remember too. Because even if they did not understand the way of the cross, they were going to be witnesses of it. And this short view of their Lord in his natural majesty and radiance would strengthen and sustain them through those difficult days when they saw him betrayed, arrested, abused, convicted, sentenced, crucified, and buried. If they thought of it, they would remember who Jesus really was, how they had seen him, and hopefully realize that death could not really defeat the Lord of light and life. And after his resurrection on Easter Sunday, and especially after his ascension to heaven and the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, they would understand fully, finally, how the cross was necessary for their and for all the world's salvation. But that the cross did not in any way cancel out Christ's glory, but instead contributed to it, magnified it, because the cross is the greatest evidence there is of God's amazing grace and wonderful mercy just as the memory of this glorious moment would have strengthened Jesus in his trials, so it would have helped Peter, James, and John, and all the rest of Christ's disciples and followers once they told them, would strengthen them through the severe trials that they faced 
as they spread the good news of the salvation Jesus won for sinners, and as they planted the church throughout the world, because they too would face persecution and executions. They would face trials and exiles, hatred and violence, stresses and stonings. The presence of Moses and Elijah at the Transfiguration would also have helped, would have strengthened them, especially against the Jews who would claim that the message of Christ was somehow a rejection of the covenant God had made with Israel. But since Moses and Elijah were probably the two most prominent of figures associated with that covenant, their appearance here with Jesus confirmed that both his mission and his message were absolutely in line with the Lord's Old Testament principles and promises. In fact, of course, Jesus was the fulfillment of them all. And that message of salvation in and through Christ is the one we need, the one we believe. Because otherwise, everything is wrong. We are broken. We were perfect once, and things were going well for the shortest of times when Adam and Eve were first created and placed in the Garden of Eden. But now, well, things have changed, and not for the good. Our first parents were presented with a temptation, and they took a wrong turn, following their own will instead of God's. And ever since we... Their children have been taking the same kinds of wrong turns, which lead us heading nowhere but the grave and hell beyond. That's what we deserve for our rebellion and disobedience to God's will. And in the meantime, of course, our, our brokenness shows itself in so many ways. Not just the sins we commit, disobedience and hatred and abuse and, and so many things, but also in the sins of other people that make our lives more miserable and the many endless bad decisions that we make because people with minds and hearts corrupted by sin simply do not make good decisions. We need help. Every one of us, we need a different way. And that is why Jesus followed the way of the cross. It was the only way to save us. To save us from sin, from death, from Satan, and from ourselves. A perfect man and the Son of God. He had to be both for his sacrifice to count for all sinners. And he gave himself over to unimaginable suffering and the worst kind of death in order to take himself the punishment that we all deserved for our disobediences and bad decisions. He offered himself as payment for our sins and his father accepted that sacrifice. Our sins are forgiven. Our slates are wiped clean. And his perfection is made ours 
because Jesus died on the cross for us. We are qualified for heaven and the glories there, which he will gladly share with us, all because Jesus willingly followed to the finish the way of the cross. And since we, as Christians, follow Jesus, we follow the same way while we live on earth. He never promised that the life of a Christian would be all happiness all the time. Instead, he told us to expect opposition and abuse precisely because we belong to him. He tells us to deny ourselves and to pick up our own crosses and follow him. And so we do. Our lives today as his disciples, are not about glory or prosperity or success or riches or fame. Our lives are about the cross, Christ's first and then our own, which means that the transfiguration is for our benefit too. If this glory to remember was good for Jesus and good for Peter, James, and John, it is certainly also good for us. It is a reminder for us of who our Savior and our Advocate and our Protector truly is, the Almighty, Holy, Perfect Son of God from all eternity. The Transfiguration reminds us where Jesus comes from and where He returned to. He's not just some guy who rose up from obscurity among the Jews of Galilee. He is the actual Lord of heaven and earth. And this glimpse of glory also helps us remember what awaits us after our times here on earth are over. Just as it awaited Moses and Elijah, we get to be with Jesus. And just as the memory of this radiant brilliance and more helped sustain Jesus and his disciples on the way of the cross, so also it encourages and empowers us as we take up our own crosses and follow him. We are his followers. And so as we follow him with our own crosses, we encounter it, it as a way full of suffering, full of opposition, full of troubles, full of temptations and obstacles on the way. Some set by Satan, some by the wickedness of the world we live in, some by our own troublesome, sinful nature within us. Jesus teaches us not to expect our glory now. So when we do get glimpses of it, as Peter, James, and John did here, we we grab hold of it and treasure it as a gift of God, not a reward, but as a gift to strengthen us against all those trials and temptations and difficulties of our cross-bearing. So we need to remember this glory just as Jesus and his disciples did. This is why we observe the transfiguration every year. But of course, we do not just remember the glory here. God the Father made that clear. He did not just identify Jesus as his one beloved son. He also, remember, told us what to do. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen, which means that we listen to everything 
he had to say. But most importantly, we listen to him when he tells us things like, repent. Repent and believe the gospel. When he says, be born again of water and the word, as as Esau was this morning. We listen when he says things like the amazing invitation, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because God the Father says to we listen when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, your good shepherd. We listen to all the things that he says that tell us that our sins are forgiven, that he is our Savior, that while there is no way we can redeem ourselves or make ourselves holy, that he gladly and willingly gives us his righteousness and his cleansing so that we can have eternal life and be with him forever in heaven in heaven, in glory, like we see here. Believe that. Take hold of it. Hold on to it. Count on it. Believe that. This is the faith that saves us. This is the confidence that sustains us. The glory of the gospel of Christ. It's glory to remember. Amen. Please rise. Now to him who is able, according to the power that is work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.